It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Betfair Exchange. More ways to bet, more ways to win. Proud sponsors of the Final Furlong Podcast. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate online resource for racing fans. Welcome along to the Final Furlong Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Kennedy, recording on Friday morning. A little bit different today and delighted to be joined by a very special guest, one of the most popular figures in racing, Fergal O'Brien. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Emmett. How are you? I'm all right, thank God. Uh, more importantly, though, I don't have the responsibility of running a stable and I don't have kids that I know of. We have to laugh in these times. <laughs> I, I don't have stable staff to be managing. Uh, you do, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, but your WhatsApp status is keep smiling. And that's something that comes across on Twitter as well. You're a very probably shouldn't say this, but you're a very positive person, not Rona positive, but a very positive outlook on life. How do you maintain that under the present circumstances? Some days are harder than others, I, I don't mind admitting. And, you know, it's, it's um, um, sometimes a, a smile can, 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 can mask a, a, a million worries, but I'm very lucky that I'm, um, I'm surrounded by very good people. I've got, uh, you know, I've got two wonderful kids and I've got a, a great partner, Sally Randall. And I'm also very lucky to have the likes of uh, Chris Coley, uh, Dr. Simon Gilson, who does all our um, all our social media. You know, I can't take any credit for any social media or any of the posts, or certainly not things like TikTok and things like that. I, I can I can barely spell TikTok, let alone um, how, how he does it all. But, uh, yeah, look, I'm very lucky. I mean, I, I I've always felt that I've I've always been of the opinion that I've been I'm in a privileged position that I do what I do, you know, and um, and I've got great people around me that help me do it. Um, business-wise, financially-wise, and with the horses, you know. So, you know, for me, to be quite honest, I'm living the dream. And you have a beautiful setup there, Ravenswell Farm. If you're going to be in lockdown... Yeah. Whether Simon is photoshopping these or not, I don't know. But if he's not, then it looks absolutely stunning. No, no, you know, I can guarantee he's not photoshopping. We're, we're just very, very lucky. We're in a lovely part of the Cotswolds. Um, you know, we're... we're seven miles outside Cheltenham where it's such an idyllic place to train horses it's peaceful and you know anyone that watches some of the the, the things that Simon puts on you know and you literally just hear the birds in the morning it's it's uh, it's a fantastic place to to train and to to you know to just to be you know honestly I, I I've had a few people come here and you know to describe it on the gallows it's like chicken soup for the soul you know it's 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 a fantastic place I'm very it, lucky it certainly looks that way uh, how many horses do you currently have in training given the circumstances we're in so normally um, for the summer for our summer campaign we'd be we'd be 35 40 40 horses probably and up to last Monday, we were down to probably, I think we had 18, you know, so, um, but on Monday, we brought 16 in, 
because we're, we're fairly confident that racing will uh, um, will go ahead on on the first of July. Jump racing will go ahead on the first of July. I think flat racing will probably go ahead before us. Um, but we're fairly confident the jump race will go ahead on the first of July, and, and then we've got another eight to come in for for um, next Monday, eight or ten to come in next Monday. So we'll be by, by next Monday, Tuesday, we'll be back up to thirty five for the for the summer jumping. Yeah. And to be fair to Dr. Simon, he was doing a lovely video today where he said, as the esteemed trainer says, less of an adventure than heading out. This is referring to your new bridge as the horses come yeah. under the new bridge. Uh, a fascinating yeah. structure, almost as good as Sydney Harbour Bridge. <laughs> I, I, I honestly... The- I'm so I'm, I honestly couldn't pay Simon for what he does. You know, um, he he's fantastic because he he understands he understands us. He understands me. Um, he, he we have a similar sense of humour. Um, even last night, you know, I was looking I was looking at our, our racing page uh, Twitter, and uh, he put four bridges up. You know, Sydney Harbour Bridge or whatever it was, <laughs> and you know the, the four most three most iconic bridges uh, in the world, and, and then our bridge. You know, it's just that sort of humour that people actually love, and especially times now you know the times we're in now people aren't getting out much and um it's just little things like that that look it even made me it made me laugh out loud to be honest so um yeah he's he's very good at what we do yeah and just in terms of the logistics and the infrastructure of the place how important is that bridge for you that's huge for us because it, it, it signifies that we're getting very close to the end of what was a massive phase one building project. You know, um, this time last year, Ravensworth Farm was exactly that. It was a farm where there's 80 stables, was, where there were um, two combines, uh, two loaders, uh, three tractors, a workshop. Um, so a lot has changed since then, you know, in, in, in less than a year, there's now 80 stables. There's a massive tack room for the lads. There's a... Um, a big washroom for rugs. There's a, a, a loo and a shower for the for the lads to change before they go racing. The ones that don't live in, and the accommodation and our owners' room and office are, are all. The, the, the bridge going in will be is one of the final pieces of the jigsaw for the the, the accommodation and our owners and, and office uh, office room being finished. Yeah. And in terms of the accommodation, how many staff members do you have based with you? Uh, well, we, we, we employ about 20 full-time, um, um, but we have eight living on site. The rest of them sort of live round and about. Um, Ali Sterling has been with me from day one. You know, she got a house in, in Whittington, the village where we are, and uh, my head lad, Dave, one of the head lads, Dave, lives down there with her, and then the others, there's a couple in Stowe. Uh, Kev Brown, the other head lad, he lives in Winchcombe uh, with his family. So there's a few dotted around the place, um, but we'll have eight on site um, once, we, once they all come back, yeah. Excellent. So managing things for them and and keeping them safe during all of this time, that has to have been stressful as well. Yeah, I mean, we're lucky in the sense that, you know, that they, they're all fit, young people. Um, um, they were all at Cheltenham because we gave them all, uh, even if they didn't have a runner, they, they all had an afternoon at Cheltenham, um, which there was a lot of furore about. Um, but thankfully, none of them got ill. And, and you know, once the lockdown came, um, and the you know the government scheme, uh, the furlough scheme came in. You know we were able to pay them for all of March, and then you know we let them we let them all go from from the beginning of June, and um, uh, um, uh, yeah, from the beginning of June we let them we let them all go, and um, yeah, so so they, they're all okay. They all went home, or they all went to wherever they had to go to, and um, yeah, so so they'll all be back in, in full employment. 
uh, full employment in the next sort of three weeks, yeah. That's good to hear because that's not something, not to be too down on it, but it's not something that can be guaranteed for other industries. Even the, the banking sector, huge job losses announced in Ireland today as well, as we're waiting right. to hear what the, what the story will be with Irish Racing and its return. But it's in, in that sense, it's a very frightening time because you've just invested in in a new setup. You've yeah. pretty much built that from scratch. This was the worst possible timing for this to happen. It was, but again, you know, like I, I said earlier on, I reiterated that, you know, I'm surrounded by a lot of very good people. The landlord has been very understanding. You know, he it's 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 Rupert and Nicky Lowe, who's, who's, who, owns, who own Ravenswell Farm. Um, they've invested a lot of money here. Um, he's, he, he, he understands that, we, you know, we need to get through this together um, for me to be in a strong place when we come out the other side. Yeah, absolutely. Investment um, in you so, so, will, yeah. will pay off in the long run. Um, I hope so, yeah. <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> we'll sell that one for you. Yeah. No, but it, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense to to punish you for something that's not your fault. No, look, and, and, and Rupert can see the big picture as well. And, you know, once we hopefully get through this and, you know, come come the end of June, you know, we'll be back up to capacity. We'll have 80 horses back in training and we'll be, be we'll, you know, it'll be business as usual. Being based in Cheltenham, how do you feel about the media reaction to the Cheltenham Festival going ahead? Uh, disappointing, I suppose, is the one word you'd, you'd, you'd use to, 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 to sum up the, re- the media reaction. You know, I did an interview for the Telegraph, I think it was, and, you know, it just got, I did a, po- a podcast and it just got edited, you know. And, and the, 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 big thing about, the big thing about Cheltenham going ahead was, you know, they said there was a, you know, twice as many as many deaths in, in the in Gloucestershire Health Trust than there was anywhere else. The fact is that the Gloucestershire Health Trust is twice as big as anywhere else. Yeah. They were comparing it with places like Swindon, which is which covers about three hundred thousand people, whereas Gloucestershire is six hundred and twenty thousand people. You know, so there's a lot of people in that health trust, and so it was inevitable that was more people going to die. Um, that's the that was the way it was. It wasn't because of the Cheltenham Festival. Look, I'm I'm not saying I'm not going to stand here and totally defend it and say that. People didn't get the coronavirus at the festival. I'm sure they did, but there was no big spike when they went back to Ireland. There was no, you know, like I said, we were all there. I've had owners there who were on tables and stuff in in hospitality, and they've all been fine. Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Tony Hulahan, who is going to be crucial to Irish Racing's return, and I hope is being lobbied because if ten meetings went ahead, fine, safe, and well, we're able to do it as long as we're given the go ahead. He stated because he was being asked on a regular basis Cheltenham should have gone ahead should we have let Irish people back and he said nobody's nobody who came back from Cheltenham there's there's no direct correlation mm. between Cheltenham and COVID-19 and, and I know he, and like there, there was so many other things you know there was you know and I'm not trying to deflect the, the, the heat from Cheltenham but you know you had Crofts which was the following weekend 120,000 people indoors no one has mentioned that you yeah. know it's just it's 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 bizarre that they're picking on 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 one thing, you know. But you know, you get the trouble is you get someone like Piers Morgan or someone out on the bandwagon. Oh, who is, incidentally was at, a, at a, an Arsenal game on the Saturday before with sixty thousand people mm-hmm. rammed in together. So um, you know, they, they're just trying to make they 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 they're, they're trying to do their make a living for themselves, I suppose, and that's what sells, isn't it? Well, there is the element of they're trying to make a living for themselves, but there's also there just does seem to be an anti-racing bias developing, and particularly, I hate to say it, but particularly with the BBC, um, 
Jess, who who works on the show an awful lot, tweeted a brilliant interview with John Gosden. And the second I saw it and saw BBC went, oh no, don't tell yeah. me he's after. But he was absolutely, look, John Gosden is, is just first class. He's probably, <laughs> he is, yeah. he's probably the person who should be the ambassador for racing and the spokesperson for all things racing. But yeah. um, in other interviews, like Andrew Baldwin got got destroyed by the BBC for nothing, for, for absolutely no reason. They, they have... They have turned everything they could. It was almost as if all barrels, all guns were just fired yeah. on Cheltenham. And yeah. they don't have racing anymore. Cornelius has been let go. They, yeah. they, they've scaled back their support of it. And it's very, very frustrating to see that kind of misinformation being put out there. Yeah, I know it is. And that's the, the sad thing about it. But like, again, we're, we're very, we're, we're, we're lucky in that. Um, you know, there is a there is a, a wider wider thing, and that's why you know the likes of Doctor Simon and what he does, putting out a positive message for race, and is is what we're what we're good, you know, what we're meant to be doing. You know, I should say that a listener to the show, I have to be very very careful with this. I'll just say that he works with data, and yeah. he is incredibly frustrated because a lot of the data that he was seeing was in stark contrast to what was being put out. Yeah, yeah, but like I said, like I said, my the, the, my own podcast that I did with the with the Telegraph was so edited that I, I barely recognised the interview. You know, Jesus, um, it was that that's that's the way it goes, and that and that was you know every question I was asked, I, I always felt that I was I was having to defend Cheltenham. It was mainly about Cheltenham. I, it was I was having to defend it, and you know they they rearranged in the interview, they've rearranged the questions and and. And yeah, so it, it was actually, I didn't recognize the interview, to be honest. But anyway, that's what they do. So you just got to accept it. Well, one thing that can be certain, Fergal, is we won't do that to you. <laughs> no, I know you won't. <laughs> your, your voice might sound like you're on helium. but <laughs> All right. <laughs> but that's oh, it. That's all we'll do. The rest of it, the rest of it will be unedited uh, and, <laughs> and we'll be safe. In terms of members of staff, uh, I think you were on the week before I was on Look on Sunday, and at that time the the apprentice pay was really blowing up, and yeah. y- you shocked a very prominent trainer by saying, "I already pay my apprentices full." Yeah, slightly different. You know, I, I have conditionals, and conditionals and apprentices are slightly different. And uh, you know, I'd like to see them be a little bit similar. You know, the apprentices are allowed to keep their claim till they've ridden ninety winners, whereas the conditionals lose their claim a lot a lot sooner over jumps. But, you know, I've always felt that, uh, especially for the jump, and I can't speak for the flat boys, that they do what they have to do. And, and, and I'm speaking for myself and my own personal experience. You know, we did the same at Nigel Twist and Davis. These, these young lads, are, are they're on a very short time scale. And for someone like Conor Brace to come along to me, who, you know, I, I've always said, I feel very lucky to have such a good young jockey. Um, and for me to take half his earnings to, for the first couple of years while he's claiming five would have been a, a small travesty. You know, he's he's going out there risking his his his, his risking his life every day that he, he you know he goes to ride. And for me to take half a riding fee would, would I wouldn't feel would be the right thing to do. They, you know, like I said, I'm I'm talking from a jumps point of view. These these boys have got such a short career. You know, if they get to if they're still riding at forty, they've done very well. Um, and you know, I think. For, for for what it is, it's not the reason I, I would have a conditional so I could half have half their fees. Like I said again, it's it's totally different in the flat, but it's it's not something we do. And I, I think uh, you know Connor earned every penny that he that he that he got, um, you know, for, uh, while he was a conditional. You know, it's just another example of how classy you are. 
to be completely honest about it. It is. And even even when that was being said, like even when that was being said on Look on Sunday, you were, because the trainer in question, it was Richard Fahey. Um, it was, and, yeah, Richard, and, yeah. And Richard's not going to mind that because Richard was, was very... And look, Richard has to do what he has to do. That's that's fine. As you no, said, exactly. it's it's different for, for the flat. And, and look, not yeah. everybody can agree. But yeah. you were very self-deprecating. He was saying, Jesus, I don't know how you're running the yard, if if that's the case. And uh, like seemed to be bemused by the whole thing. And instantly you had some self-deprecating, sarcastic comment about yourself <laughs> to, to make. You're putting yourself down. It, it was just... But it's, it's very admirable that you would do that because it would be very easy for you to take 50%. But that's not what you're in the game for. No, it's not like, like like I'll go back to when we started this interview. You know, I have always felt very lucky and privileged to do what we do. Look, there's days when this is the, the toughest job and the loneliest job in the world, but you know, I still always feel really, really privileged to be able to see these horses on the gallops every morning, to deal with the the, the owners, and and for me as well to have you know to have, um, especially one daughter who who rides out regular. Um, the other one, Daisy, my youngest one, is not so keen on the riding side. But to have, to have to, you know, as a father, to be able to spend so much time with my children um, uh, at work and, 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 and all that sort of side of it is, is again, is a huge privilege for me, you know. Do you feel nervous as a father watching your daughter in racing? Um, I don't know, honestly. You know, people thought I would be, and, you know, I thought I would be myself. But, you know, there's so many other things that can go wrong in life. And I just think that, it's something that she loves. She she's um you know you know obviously slightly biased, but she I think she's she's pretty good. You know she's she schools over hurdles and stuff for us. And you know I feel if she, if she comes off and you know, she had a fall this morning actually, and I just think that can happen anywhere. She could do that in her bike, yeah. you know. And I and that's that's how I see it. It's you know and 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 I don't want I never want her to feel like that that, that I'm going to cocoon her. You know she's got to get on and and she's going to have falls and and they're gonna she's going to make mistakes and. But at the same time, it's something that she loves and just hope that she can have a, have a career at it, you know. That is almost the, the centerpiece to it. You have to have the talent, but you also have to have the love of the game because if you don't, it's never going to work for you. Yeah, you know, I you know, you know for a few years there, you, you'd watch, um, going back to the flat, you'd watch Joseph O'Brien and stuff and, and, you know, they're all saying, it's oh, he's riding these derby because he's his dad. It, it wouldn't matter who trained the horses or what horses he was on. If he wasn't good enough, he wouldn't have been riding them. And, and that's what it comes down to, to to my own daughter, Fern. You know, she has to be good enough. You know, I was very lucky in a, in a very lucky position to watch Sam Tristan Davis. You know, Sam was only 10 months old when I went uh, to work for Nigel and Kathy Tristan Davis. So I've seen Sam grow up and to see him develop from ponies and from being a nervous rider to a, a, a lad who was, you know, so determined to keep his weight down for pony racing when he was 10 and 12, to see him develop, you know, into having one of the, 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 the best jobs in the country with Paul Nichols was uh, was something that was a privilege to watch, you know. So, he, but he did it because he was very determined and he had a lot of talent, you know. So um, that's what you need at the end of the day. Yeah, you have to have the ethic, the work ethic yeah. to get you there. Oh, uh, and, 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 you know, Sam, no one had a, has, has a better work ethic than Sam, you know, I've seen that from growing up. And I'm very lucky in, in that Fern is just very similar and she's got a great work ethic. She, she came, to, I picked her up at 10 to 6 this morning to come to the yard. She's mucked four out. She's ridden three lots and, and now she's doing her schoolwork so it's a you know it's a huge commitment but that's what she wants to do so you know we'll, we'll give it a good shot fair play to her no doubt if she has your ethic which if she has <laughs> half of your ethic she'll be a huge success the, your time with nigel tristan davis nigel is a fantastic character yeah i i get the feeling that if you ask nigel a question as a member of the media he'll say the opposite or if you suggest to him that 
hey, Nigel, the new one looks like a horse who would be ideal for this for the stairs hurdle. No, champion. No, yeah, we'll do the opposite. <laughs> but a brilliant character and a phenomenally talented trainer as well. Uh, that must have been an incredible surrounding and an incredible experience for you to to be around and to develop and hone your skills as a trainer. Yeah, you know, I was very lucky in that, you know, my time at Nigel gave me a, a big free reign. Um, and, um, you know, while I was there, you know, Nigel and I, you know, we trained together and, you know, I, I dealt a lot with owners. I, I dealt a lot with the horses. And, and so, you know, I, I, I'm very indebted to Nigel, you know, um, for the opportunities he gave me. I was able to train point to pointers while I was there. And it was a great, and again, you know, I suppose maybe I'm probably not too dissimilar to Nigel in that is, you know, any of the jockeys who ride for him will tell you the same. It doesn't matter whether you're one to two favourite or you're 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 thirty three to one. Nigel will honestly believe that they can win, you know, or they will run very well. And you know, he's very positive, and and you know, he he's he 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 he, he, he shoots at the stars a lot of the time, and a lot of the time it comes off. And you know, it was it was a great it was it was it was a great place to work. You know, I started off with Tim Foster, who was. A, very, a known pessimist and I went to a complete op- uh, uh, optimist you know so I, I, I've seen both ends of the scale so I've been I've been lucky on that side of it yeah what was your highlight on the races at the races when with Nigel oh there's so many really you know um, crikey I, I, you know, it has to be I suppose Imperial Commander winning the Gold Cup um, you know we, we were all under a lot of pressure that day because the year before we won the Ryanair Nigel really wanted to run him in the Gold Cup the year before but I think even he subsided to a little bit of media pressure and a little bit of owner pressure and we went for the Ryanair because people said maybe he didn't stay um, um, Paddy gave him a phenomenal ride that day and you know it's one of those races I look back and I, 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 could, I could take you back to the exact spot where I watched that race and all the way through from after they jumped the second or third fence, I just I always felt that he was going to win. And I, I don't think I've ever watched a race ever since that I, I, I've been so confident through a race. You know, I could see that Cato was st- struggling early on, and I could just see. I suppose maybe I knew I, I know Paddy so well. I could see Paddy's body language was 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 confident, and the horse was you know just so well, and he'd been so well prepared. Richard Bevis, who who still works for Nigel, now, is one of my best friends. Um, had done such a great job with him, and I, I just think. Watching that race, I, still now even it gives me it gives me uh, it gives me goosebumps watching the race because it was such a great day, you know. And the mighty Denman in behind as well, the tank really putting that yeah, up to him. You know, Denman and McCoy, like you, like it's, it's the last two people you want to want to become announced to the last one to go culprits, you know. Um, and again, you know, I, I, you know, Kato Star is obviously a fantastic horse and, and one we'll probably want to see again, but I've always been a Denman fan. Oh, come on, about, man. No, yeah, I've, all, I've always thought that if it came to, if it came to a, a real war, that, that Denman would run through a wall field, whereas I think Denman, or Kato, I think would look for a little way around that wall, you know. Um, Jeez, so that's harsh. That, I know it is harsh. That's, that's harsh about a, about a horse who had a, a day out that was basically a farewell day out to his fans in the Betfair Chase, and he and he and Ruby had different ideas, and he goes and beats Long Run, and then wins another King George. I remember I Nick, and, and by the way, it's no criticism of Nick at all because it looked like it was done again. Tony McCoy on board the rescheduled yeah. King George, and Nick's line at the end of Channel Four Racing was, "The King is dead. Long live the King," referring to Long Run. Only for a yeah. season later. For for Cano to win it back, yeah, were amazing days those those times. I know. I mean, I, I, that's again, you know, been very lucky to to be in such a great era of of wonderful horses. You know, 
Paul Nichols, Nicky Henderson's, you know, they, the Tizards, they've had great horses, you know, Nigel's, it's, it's been fantastic to, to, to see him over the years, you know, but yeah, I'd still, I, I, you know, if I had to pitch my hat, I'd, I'd still, I'd side with Denman every day, yeah. Is that because he's a proper old-fashioned Irish chaser? I suppose maybe, yeah, and I suppose Denman is the more, you know, we, uh, we've had a couple of French horses here, which, you know, I, I, I wasn't, I didn't train very well, probably, and um, and you know they were just a bit soft, and, and I just think maybe that's where I just think Denman is just your epitomised national hunt racing. You know, I just think he's he's so solid. He was, to be fair, um, but Cotto Ka- yeah. was a freak. He was the opposite yeah, yeah, of a no. of a cheese eating no. surrender monkey. He he, yeah. <laughs> he had other ideas than his, yeah, yeah, than his place ideas. of birth as to how to go about yeah. things. Did he had you, his own ideas. Did you always know you were going to be a trainer? No, no. Uh, look, uh, and it's fairly well documented. I, I had probably one of the best jobs that I felt I could have at Nigel Tristan Davis as I was his assistant. We had great, great times together. And um, I think it was probably about uh, 2009. Yeah, 2009, I suppose it was. I met Carl Llewellyn, who w- w- was our stable jockey. And so I'm at the races one day. He was training for Malk in Denmark. And I said, oh, you're getting on. He goes, no, it's not going to last for very much longer. He said, oh, I'm not very happy. I came back, I said to Nigel, I said, look, Carl's not very happy and he doesn't think he'd be there for very much longer and I, I think he'd be a great asset here with us, you know, and he, he, you know, because Nigel, fantastic trainer and, 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 you know, but, you know, didn't really like going racing that much and preferred to be more hands-on at home around the yard and things like that. And I thought Carl would be a great addition going racing. Carl, brilliant with owners, always was when he got off a horse. He was, he was you know, he knew racing inside out and he, he always came back with a plan, you know. And uh, so, Nigel, we left it there, and one thing led to another. And you know, Carl left Malcolm Denmark's, and and suddenly he came back to us, and and it was great for probably twenty minutes or half an hour. And then after that, Carl had his own ideas. I had my ideas, and, and Nigel had his ideas. And so I think probably for a long time, because it just been myself and Nigel, uh, someone else coming back in, and you know, and I. And not blaming Carl for this, you know. I was probably as 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 just being thick and ignorant. And even if Carl came up with a good idea, I would say, "Oh, it's a rubbish idea," because he did come up with a few rubbish ones as well. <laughs> uh, uh, and and just the job changed. The whole job changed for me. I think you know, um, Carl wasn't a big fan of Paddy's at the time when Paddy was riding for us because just totally different riders. You know, Carl rode a lot from the front. Paddy dropped everything in. Um, so Paddy's Paddy. They, they, you know, Paddy didn't wasn't certainly wasn't riding as well, and then so they were pushing Sam through, and I don't think that was done right either. And I was having these conversations with um, my business partner of now, uh, Chris Coley, who was an owner there. And, and one day, Chris, I think he just got fed up with me moaning, and he just said, "Look, if, you, if you're not happy there, you, you train a point to point as hunter chasers." And he said, "If you're not happy, look, just we'll find somewhere and we'll, you know set up by yourself. I'll help you set up." So that's where it came from, you know, up to sort of 2008 or nine. I, I, I was, you know, I had no intention of, you know, I had a young family. I had no intention of, 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 of training myself. I, I had a great job at Nigel's and, and, you know, I loved every minute of it. And to the day, I, you know, I enjoyed it to the day I left, you know, 18 years I was there. But, you know, uh, Timmy Murphy had retired. He bought a farm uh, with his father-in-law and they were going to do pre-training. And he said, look, we can, we'll put a barn up for you. And, uh, that's where I started there with, I think we started, myself and Ali started with about eight horses. Um, six of them were Chris Coley's, I think. Uh, and it just went from there, really, yeah. And the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> the rest is history, yeah, yeah. And in terms of your own achievements with horses, one of your, there'll be two very, very established, and it's not that long since they retired, but because Paddy Brennan 
rode him to his biggest success, the Midlands National. Chase the Spud was a real hero. Yeah, like Chase the Spud, funny enough, I used to train point of points for Christine Banks and and uh, I, I had to make a terrible phone call to Christine one day and said to Christine, look, we've, we've just got a lot more horses in now and, and, you know, I just can't train the pointers anymore. This is when I'd started training by myself. So we were training uh, my partner, um, well, actually, no, sorry, my wife at the time, my ex-wife at the time, Jelly was training the pointer pointers from another yard and I said to Christine, look, we just, we need the space and we're, we're going to stop training pointers. She, she said, fine, look, that's that's grand. And, and actually, so following season I didn't have any pointers for Christine and she sent that she sent Chase to Spud who she bred herself to to um to another point to point trainer and I went to watch him actually run first time out at uh, at, at uh, Chadsey Corbett because I, I trained his brother and uh, he refused the second so she, she was a bit disappointed and so I said look he's she didn't know what to do with him so I said look he's fit and ready to go and I'll show why don't you send him to us and so she sent him to us and had one of the rules. She didn't want a horse in the rules because she just point to point is her passion. And uh, so Christine sent us Chase Spud and, and uh, uh, yeah, so he, he ran well over hurdles. Timmy Murphy won a hurdle race on him and then Paddy took over on him. And yeah, he was just, Paddy really had, uh, Paddy really had the, the key team, you know. And um, yeah, they, they were fantastic together. Uh, he, he he, he wasn't a straightforward horse to ride. He wasn't the best jumper in the world. Although Paddy made him look a good jumper. And um, uh, they probably suited each other because I think they were both a bit frightened probably. So they probably suited <laughs> each other. Um, <laughs> um, so, but, you know, to, to, the, the day he won that, the, the Maiden of the National, it was a, that was a, just a ph- phenomenal day. For Christine, you know, to, you know, that's the biggest handicap of the week, you know, even after Cheltenham, I think it was 85 grand to the winner. Um, it was a huge pot for a, an owner breeder. And, you know, we, I remember going back, uh, we, I was with my brother Tony, he was over for the festival and we stopped in, in Bromyard on the way back because we were going to Christine's, uh, a pub near Christine's place and she's not far from there. And uh, we watched uh, Ireland were playing, can't remember who they were playing now, we watched the rugby and then we, went, we had a great night. And that, was a, that was a fantastic day, yeah. Fantastic. And from him to Alvarado, who was another bit of a legend and placed in the Grand National for you? Yeah, placed in four nationals, actually two English nationals and two Scottish nationals. Um, yeah, again, you know, he was, I think Alvarado, you know, I think perfect candidate in Alvarado were probably the two horses that did did the most for me, you know. Um, uh, the second season I was training, Alvarado won a big handicap at Cheltenham. We had three winners there. We had two winners there that day. The governors won the bumper as well. And uh, I think he, he did a lot for us because he kept us in the limelight. You know, first year that he ran in the national for us, he was fourth. And, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Rooker, um, who, are, again, uh, Angela Rooker is Christine Banks' sister, um, all the same family. And, uh, you know, they, I trained point to points for them and they've been massive supporters of mine from, from the day I started. My first winner was for the for the Rooker's Horsham lad at Carlisle. And they've been huge supporters of mine. Um, so, but Alvarado, he did really keep, he kept everything going, you know, and he, he, he was a fantastic servant for us. And, uh, and when, when things weren't going right, you know, he, he'd always pull a big one out either in the Scottish national or the, or the, or the English national. Uh, what was it about those races that brought out the best of them? Cause they're really a, a war of attrition. Why did he seem to, to thrive on those big occasions? Uh, I don't know because he was a very talented horse. We never, um, we, we, we never saw the best of him. Um, I, I honestly believe that you know he came via Howard Johnson's through Evan Williams's, and he was very quirky. And on his day, like his first race that he won for us was over two and a half miles round, 
around uh, Weatherby and he, he showed an, an incredible turn of foot uh, from the back of the last I think he was fifth or sixth jump of the last that was his and debut sprinted. for you wasn't it yeah it was yeah, and he sprinted with Paul Maloney and even surprised Paul Maloney you know he just did everything on his own terms and, and I think that's I probably learnt as much of Alvarado as I have of any horse you know um, he, he he taught me a lot about you don't need to overtrain horses and, and sometimes you got to listen to them they'll tell you what they want to do and I think that was the key to him here if, if if we went to you know we'd go down sometimes to school Alvarado and if Alvarado didn't want to jump then he wouldn't jump and, and so we didn't bother we just would bring him home again so he always, he always felt like he was king and um, and I don't know Aintree brought the best out of him for sure you know uh, I think it was just he just loved the atmosphere he loved the hype loved it it's huge Aintree's huge um, and he, he just loved those those staying chases yeah and he loved the, sp- the spring ground the Sunday's back yeah he was he was yeah he's a special horse and the way you talk about him makes me think about training in general because I'm always reminded of the story from the Bows and how they used to train limestone lad and yeah. he was a bastard yeah. <laughs> like he yeah. was just a horrible, horrible individual, a legend on the race course and yeah. one of my favorite horses of all time, but a horrible individual in the yard <laughs> to the point that he, he broke, it was, I think it was Michael Bowe's shoulder and broke his leg. And on both yeah. occasions, one of them was he was shooing him and each time you'd have to shoe him, you would have to, for each leg for each hoof, you would have to go and pat him on the head and say, now I'm going to do your front left one and now I'm going to do your front yeah, right yeah. one. And he just forgot to do it for his left hind and woke up the next day in hospital with a broken leg. And <laughs> <laughs> he he said all this in an interview. I think it was the Irish Independent. I'm sure you can get it online. And the oh, other one was uh, he, he had the audacity to turn on the wood chipper one day without asking his permission and uh, the next thing, he had a broken shoulder. He was lying on the ground, and Limestone Lad was standing over him. <laughs> and they, they, like, Solarina was the complete opposite. She'd do whatever you wanted. Like, if yeah. they opened the, the, the door of the stable barn, out she'd come. No problem at all. But if you, they opened the door for Limestone Lad, he'd just stand, stand there looking at you like, what do you want? <laughs> and until he would kick and buck the stable door, that's when he'd say, all right, fine. I'll go out now. Now I'll do my work. And I, I loved reading that. I loved, like, Aidan O'Brien's talked about mentality forces as well, like George Washington saying how he was a, a real, the, the head of the herd, the leader of the herd. Yeah. And there's the brilliant story about he wouldn't come out from the archway of the Curra. He just refused. Uh, yeah. He wouldn't go into the winner's enclosure in Newmarket for the 2,000 guineas. And it's not really known, but they couldn't fly home. They were two hours waiting to fly home because he wouldn't board the plane. Didn't matter what they All did, right. he just George Washington <laughs> would not board the plane. He was just like, nah, can't be bothered with this. And it's it's when you hear all of those stories and when you talk about Alvarado that you realize that horses have their own personalities. They have their own unique ways. And so you may very well have a, a set idea and a set formula for how you're going to condition and train a racehorse. But all of that goes out the window when a horse has different ideas about the game. Yeah, def- definitely. You know, we'd never train. Look, they, they, they are. We, we have a, a, you know, we have a routine, which, which, you know, I'm going to say 90% of horses love. But you'll get the 10% to, you know, actually don't, you know. And, and funny enough, you know, Alvarado was like that. He was a leader. He, 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 he was, you know, head of the pack. But I also think he, he was a big... Um, Perfect Canada was a massive help to. They, uh, Perfect Canada and Alvarado went everywhere together. Uh, they, they 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 lived next door to each other. They always went out in the same field together, and um, you know I think I think Alvarado 
held perfect candidate in that you know he was the leader. He would go and he was the one in front, and perfect candidate always behind him. And then perfect candidate helped Alvarado because he gave him that confidence, you know. So I, I definitely think they've got their own traits and their own mentality of how to do things. And you know, I'd never train a Philly like we train a Gelding. Um, you know, they, they're they're all, they're all different, and they're no different than you and I. They're no different than footballers or, or any other athlete. You know, they all take a little bit bit different. You know, the majority of them will will, will go along a, on a formula, um, but there'll be there'll be certainly a, a percentage that that won't. And Perfect Candidate's another one that you've mentioned who's yeah. just been a real hero for you, over 143,000 in prize money. Um, yeah. I mean, these, these three horses that we've mentioned have contributed significant to you as a trainer, not only in terms of prize money. I was looking up the stats earlier on, 2.8 million in prize money in the last five seasons. Nice work, sir. Nice work. Yeah. But, but <laughs> those horses were, they were huge contributors to that as well. And also getting your name out there even more. Yeah, like Perfect Candidate was was, was bought by my uh, friend of mine, myself, and, and actually my my ex-wife uh, Jelly. Um, we went to Northern Ireland with the owners, with the owners, um, and we saw Perfect Candidate. Um, uh, he was a four-year-old, hadn't run. Um, uh, Hugh Suffern had bred him, still owned him, hadn't run for Jerry Cosgrove in the north of Ireland. We'd seen probably. 25 horses that day and he was the last he's always here still, but he genuinely was the last horse to be seen and we went and we went and had dinner and we discussed the horses that we'd seen the ones we liked and we all decided we liked perfect candidate the only downside when he was a windsucker I said look I didn't really mind that that wasn't be the, the end of the world he was the right money I think he was 15,000 pounds um, and you know we, we brought him home yeah and uh, he was unnamed so um Jeff and Donna Keys, who, who who purchased him, uh, Jeff's Jeff and Donna's son uh, Henry just started up a recruitment business, so he ran in the he ran in the in the recruitment business colours and the name, and that's why he was called Perfect Candidate, um, uh, for the recruitment business. So um, yeah, he, he he was a phenomenal horse and still is. You know, he's he's in the field now and and he'll be back in. Um, you know, he, he he won his races. He was placed this year, and. Um, yeah, he's just he's been a been a so he's 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 one of the ones that that you know really stands out to me, that really enjoyed the move to Ravenswell. Um, he he loves the the atmosphere here, the vibe here, whatever you want to call it. He loves all that, and uh, yeah, he definitely thrives on the move. Thirteen years of age now, but not showing it. No, no, and and you know uh, we 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 proved before that we can do it with the old ones. Gino Trail came back and won first time out for us, uh, and we had a lovely horse called Ratify. Which actually just um, Sally's got him. Uh, he's retired now, but he he was fourteen when he when he won for us. Um, so um, yeah, you know, I'll, um, perfect candidate. will 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 have he'll start off in training and we'll have another go with him again this year. Fantastic. Uh, one of the horses that you got is well known to us on the podcast because he he started his career with a longtime friend of the show, Robbie McNamara. Then went to Willie Mullins where he won a Grade One. Uh, quick grab him. A horse I was very, very excited about. The, the season wasn't kind to you in the sense that the whole thing fell apart, but how has he been? Yeah, um, he's been fine. Look, I, I, I was very lucky. This, this, they never meet your heroes, and Willie Mullins is obviously one of my heroes. Um, and when I rang uh, Willie Mullins up to say um, that the horse was coming to me and... Um, you know, he, he couldn't have been nicer, you know. He said, look, we, things haven't happened for him over here since he won his grade one. He's had a few niggles. And, and that's been mainly his problem. He, he's had a few niggles. And, you know, he, he's never had the ground. He's never probably had a proper break. either. Last year, I think he went out to France and he did a few things. So 
Um, he's at home with his owner at the minute, um, Jerry Worcester, who, who, you know, the reason he came to me was because, you know, I live about 40 minutes from Jerry. Um, he's, he's at home with her at the minute. She's enjoying him. He's enjoying being there. He's, he's, he's out there with Poetic Rhythm, who is our, our own grade one winner. And um, so he'll come back. And I, and I think the summer will doing good. Paddy's adamant that he wants better ground, um, which we never had last year, you know. And he's only eight still. Yeah, he's very young, very young, very very few miles on the clock. So um, yeah, we we were very excited about him coming, and obviously, and but we don't think we ever really got a handle on him. And I think hopefully this year with, with a proper break, um, if we hadn't had this hold up, you know, we were all keen to go back to Galway for the for the hard and stuff. He shows plenty at home. Um, I just don't think he's had his conditions at home. Uh, he's got his had his conditions on the track when he's run. And would you be of a mindset to keep him over hurdles? Um, I think Jerry would be, to be fair. I think Paddy would be keen to give him a go over fences. Um, uh, so it'll be between Jerry and Paddy. I just train him. Jerry owns him and Paddy's got to ride him. So <laughs> um, uh, he's, he's a very good jumper. And Paddy thinks if we, if we put him over a fence, that would help him a little bit as well because he can run a bit free. But, you know, um, we'll, we'll see. We'll get him back in in July and then we'll see how we go. So we'll keep an eye on that then and see how all of that plays out as to... yeah. Yeah, as, for sure, yeah. As you're playing yourself down there as the middleman as to how all of that goes. <laughs> the the cello hurdle, so you took with Poetic Rhythm, uh, uh, of yeah. course. How has he been? Yeah, he look, he, he was obviously fantastic. He, he he put his heart and soul in that cello, so the, the rest of his season didn't didn't go to plan. And then we brought him back in the next season, very, very confident about going chasing. I remember schooling him um Always a little bit worried about him going over fences because he wasn't brilliant over hurdles, to be quite honest about it. But actually, when we school him over fences, I thought, this is a different horse. You know, however good he was over hurdles, this fella is going to be mustard over fences. Uh, and he wasn't. Um, he, he ran a Chepstow. I think we ran him at Weatherby or Haydock or somewhere. Weatherby. And he just, yeah, Weatherby, yeah, he just... He just he wouldn't have a cut, so he he, we, he ended up having a uh, an operation on his back, a kiss the spine operation. It took him a long time to recover from that, and then uh, this season we brought him back. Took a long time to get him back, and we gave him a spin over hurdles, and he, he showed his his enthusiasm. So again, he's had a, he's going to have a nice break and come back for better ground. The ground would never have been ideal for him most of the last season, anyway, even though I know he won the shallow and softer heavy ground, but it wouldn't be his favourite ground. In an almost perverse way. Is it possible that this enforced break could actually benefit a lot of your horses? Well, and um, well, bank manager doesn't agree. So, um, <laughs> oh, actually, to be fair, the question was the horses. I think I don't think it, it, it won't have done any of the horses, any of the staff. My partner Sally certainly hasn't done her any harm um, uh, because you know we we've had a, a pretty hectic year between moving yards and trying to keep everything going, and it's you know. You know, I'm a positive person, but sometimes it can be quite exhausting to be positive as yeah. well all the time. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, so look, it hasn't done anyone any harm. I mean, obviously there's financial implications, but again, I'm surrounded by great people, and um, the ship will stay sailing, and you know, we'll come out the other side, and we've got a lot to look forward to. So um, I don't think it's done anyone any of us any harm. I don't, I, I, not just from a racing point of view. You know, I'm not going to get all melodramatic and, and, and deep on you but you know I, I think hopefully it'll it'll reset a few 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 things for people and, and we'll realise what is important and what isn't important you know I, I drove in to see Chris Coley not to see uh, to see Chris but Sally and I took a, a, a dinner in for him last Sunday 
And um, because he's isolated, he's he's over 70, he's isolated at home. He, he hasn't been out for out of his house for seven weeks, lives in Cheltenham. And driving in, we must have saw 15 or 20 families just out walking. Now, that wouldn't have happened any other time in, in, in my lifetime. You know, it just wouldn't have happened. But it's um, it's what's happened. You know, it's brought people closer together. Um, and it's made us appreciate, I think, um, what, what we have, you know. That's a very good point. And whatever mm. the world was before COVID-19, post-COVID-19, it's going to be quite different. And, and a question I was asked by a listener during the week was, do you honestly think there will be 70,000 people at Cheltenham next year? I hadn't even really thought about that. I was just thinking no. once things start to get back, there will be. I think there'll be 70,000 people at Cheltenham next March. <laughs> good man. That's good to hear. <laughs> I, I don't think they'll be there in October, November, um, because I don't think we'll be quite you know, the way through that we want to be. But, you know, like you said, there, there will, there's definitely going to be a new normal. But I think probably the, the reason that we can all sort of cope and, 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 and do okay at the minute, you know, as, as, as dark and uh, time it is, is that, you know, we're, we're not s suffering from, from um, the fear of missing out, you know. So, you know, every, we're all in the same boat. I mean, that, that's why it is so difficult when things are normal or whatever normal is to, to take that time and stuff because you're always trying to keep up with someone else, you know. Whereas at the minute, we're all stopped. Mm. You know, you're next door. You know, I'm not looking across at Kim Bailey thinking, oh, they've got three runners today. I haven't got any. Why is that? You know, I'm looking across thinking, oh, their horses are out in the field the same as mine. I can relax, you know. Um, I think, and I think once things do start up again, you know, you know, we will, we will sort of get back onto the wheel again. But hopefully, maybe we, we, there'll be something ingrained in us to think, well, we have to take a little bit of time out now and again as well. Yeah, but for you, and I'm interested in how you've described the whole situation because you were talking about how it's easier for your partner and it's easier for. As a trainer, it it seems to me as though life never stops. And, and I, I understand that right now things are different, but you're still overseeing lots. You were talking about being up bright and early this morning, picking up your daughter to, to go yeah. uh, and, and work. It's a, it's a very, very stressful job. Yeah, yeah, but I think probably, you know, the, the fact that I'm picking my daughter up 10 to 6 is more of a personal thing. You know, it's, it's more of a thing to, for me to keep a routine and to keep my own mind right. Again, not to be too deep or, or, or meaningful, but that, but that's it. It's it's the routine. I'm very lucky in that, you know, I I like getting up in the mornings. We live in a lovely place. The weather's been fantastic, so it's lovely to get up in the morning and, and, and see the sun come up and, and hear the birds. And you know, if if that's not good for your mind, then then nothing will be. You know, so that's where where we're lucky. And I, I've you know, I we could start work at eight o'clock. It wouldn't matter, you know. But we've kept a a, a, a pretty similar routine because. You know, that's, I think that's probably, all I, I think it's important for me anyway. So, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, the, the difference is, is that, you know, I'm not going racing and stuff now. So the the, the afternoons and the evenings, are, we have more time, yeah. I'm blessed that I'm not stuck in Cork because if I if I was, when all of this had kicked off, uh, the two kilometre radius would have been in and it would have been very difficult to get home. Um, yeah. Even even driving home, you'd still be getting questions from a guy that she goes, why? Yeah. Why were yeah. you in Cork? What's going on? Uh, and Sally Ann Grassic was talking about how, on the show, talking about how she was stopped five times by Angarda Shiakona, um, which I understand they have a job to do and, and that makes yeah. sense. But it, Cork is an apartment. Now it's, we have, there's a nice patio, but it's an apartment. At home in Kilkenny, we have a beautiful garden. And, yeah. and incredibly blessed to be able to go out there. And there are birds as far as the eye can see and 
two cats who run the house. Uh, and I'm very, <laughs> very, very grateful for that because my cousin has, has two kids and is living in an apartment in Dublin and oh. the kids are asthmatic. Uh, I'm yeah, asthmatic as well, but they're not allowed out then because of that. And I, I do not know how Kenneth is staying sane. I honestly don't. And they're young kids. Yeah, you know, that's the thing, you know, that's where we're, we're like you said, I, I, we, we, you know, sometimes you, you, I don't feel guilty about it because it is what it is. But, you know, we, we've, apart from not going racing and no sport and things like that, you know, we, we've, we're so lucky where we are. We 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 haven't seen any of it. You know, we've just been we're out in the middle of nowhere, and we're just very very lucky. You know. How do you feel the BHA have handled the whole situation? I think they've done. You know, I, I think they've done incredibly well. I think it's it's a difficult situation. No one knows the answers. Um, it was disappointing to hear people call for Nick Russ's resignation. Again, you know, I have huge respect for 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 Mark Johnson and uh, and, and Rafe Beckett, but. It, it, you know, they, it, it was the wrong time. It's, it, I always feel these these are the times you you, you unite, not divide. You know, mm. um, and I just thought it was the wrong time. I think the BHA do an incredible job. They keep us updated. You know, there's people there working still, and they're doing their best. You know, they they they're 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 in the same boat. They they haven't got a crystal ball. They're in the same boat as the rest of us. They want to get racing going. You know, they they're losing a lot of revenue as well. So you know, it's it's it's. It's a two-way street, and we all want, we all want to get back doing what we do. And at least they have a plan. Yeah, of course. Look, and and they they can't do any more. And and you know they're 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 trying to think on their feet. They're they're, they're they, you know we were hoping to be back on the flat on the twenty third of of May. That didn't happen. So now they're gone for the first of June. And you know Boris Johnson says you know we can hopefully get back there on the first of June. And they've got a plan ready to rock and roll and they'll get their pattern races in and, and you know, hope, hope for the best and then hopefully jumping will follow on the first of July. The Betfair Exchange. More ways to bet, more ways to win. Proud sponsors of the final Furlong podcast. The latest that we have is that it will be an all-weather fixture at Newcastle. So Sky Newcastle, Sports yeah. Sky Sports Racing will be kicking off the, the first day of the new racing scene. Racing behind closed doors is going to be an interesting experience. Yeah, we did it at Weatherby on our the last day we had a runner. Actually, I was at Weatherby Global Fame one for us, and uh, I was behind closed doors. We're allowed one on, but it, yeah, it was different. It was eerie, but at least the, the winner meant no less to the owners. Um, one of the one of the partners were there. Chris Coley was there, but you know, still a winner. Um, it meant a lot to Connor, who's come back. Connor Brace who's come back from an injury. Um, meant a lot for us. So you know, I think it was. Um, I think it can work and like I said all the owners I I have that have sort of horses for better ground they're they're more than happy to to go ahead and and uh, to get the horses going and they're happy to watch it on TV. And unlike in Ireland there is actually a plan from the BHA. Like we we now know from the chair committee what they're going to do in terms of the racing as long as everything gets the green light and the go ahead and we can come back and we have a fairly clear understanding of how things will go. So we have Newcastle to kick things off, but we have, yeah, we have classic trials. We're straight yeah, in, yeah, no. straight into a guineas. Yeah. It's going to be an explosive start. Yeah, no, and that's where I think the BHA have done very well. You know, they're, they're trying to keep the pattern uh, for the flat, which is important for the breeding side of it as well, uh, I'd imagine. And, um, yeah, so so it'd be good if they can get if they can get that going. One of the things they've said is, and, and they've they've tried to leave it open that the pattern races will be open to international runners. Uh, being completely honest, and I am an optimistic person. I don't see how that's going to happen. Could you? Do you have a view no, on that? 
No, I wouldn't even have a view on it because I, I don't I, like I don't see how they can, can they? How how if there's no racing in Ireland, if, if you know, will 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 they let Aidan O'Brien move horses around Ireland to get across to England? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I, I really, I really don't know. It's a very different issue when you're taking care of bloodstock or when you're doing breeding because, yeah. as Sally Ann was describing, you're literally staying in the Jeep. You don't get out of it. Well, you can't yeah, do that if right. you're a groom or if you're a trainer. You have to be active. So how all of that's going to be handled is, is another issue entirely. Um, for, for jockeys, and when you talk about Paddy Burnham, they're going to face a very different reality as well. Saunas and showers banned. So a setup like your place is going to be very important then in, in the mornings and in the afternoons, but it, it's going to be a very different reality for the jockeys as well. Yeah, I think it will, especially for the flat jockeys. They do rely on the saunas. You know, Paddy's okay and Connor's okay. They're very light. But I think for the yeah for the for the um, for the flat jockeys, that'll be a, a, a different. But they'll have to just do. You know, they'll work their way around it. If they can't do the weight, they can't do the weight. You know, that's just the long and the short of it. There'll be plenty. There'll be someone that can do the weight. Don't worry about that. But um, um, yeah, I think it's it's it, like you said. It's, it's there's going to be a different normal, and uh, we we're all just going to have to get used to it and, and adjust to it. And looking at your younger horses, the the team of horses that you've got coming through. So I'm looking at the likes of Imperial Alcazar and Aska Honey Bee. Who yeah. are you particularly excited about unleashing when we finally get <laughs> racing back? I suppose that we schooled Imperial Alcazar over fences before he went home, and he was pretty good. And he didn't do too bad as a hurdler, and um. I don't know, you know, for as much as an optimist as, uh, as, as I am, I hate talking about my own horses because <laughs> I always feel like I'm going to jinx them. Um, you know, I never bet because um, I think that's, the, you know, that, that if, I have a, if, I, if I really fancy one, I back it. I don't think it ever wins, to be honest. Um, so I, I just, uh, yeah, Imperial Alk is our Ask a Honeybee. Ask a Honeybee was phenomenal over fences. So, I, 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 yeah, there's them global fame. There's, there's, there's a few of them there. Champagne Wild, Listing Barnet was amazing. Uh, over a fence, made a lovely shape. So, yeah, really looking forward to all of them. He's on the list here, by the way, part of the Fergal yeah. O'Brien Racing Partnership. Shout yeah, out, shout is, out yeah. to the Fergal O'Brien Racing Partnership. Mainly, be- not only because of his brilliant performance at Doncaster, but also, what a name. Listing and Varna. Listing and Varna, I know, fantastic. And um, Sally's got a very good friend, Neil O'Donnell, who, who um, really liked him, went to the sales to try and buy him. Uh, we didn't even see the horse, but Neil liked him and went to the sales to buy him. Didn't have enough money to buy him, and net, but he didn't meet his reserves, so we were lucky to get him afterwards, you know. Um, so yeah, he, he's 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 worked out very well. And the the nice thing about listening, Barney, he's got lovely owners, but uh, a really, I call him a friend now of mine, uh, Kevin Dawson, who, who was a footballer at Cheltenham Town. He's with Forest Green Rovers now. He's involved in listening, Barney. And before Kev owned had a share in a horse, it was just all about punting, you know. It was all footballer and gambling, but. Since he's owned the horse, he, he, you know, he, he, he just loves to race and just loves horses now. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's changed his perspective of it as well. What are you most looking forward to at Ravenswell Farm once the green light is given and racing returns? I suppose getting back to do what we do best and inviting people, getting people here. You know, I'm very proud of what we've got here and what we've we've put together. You know, I, I like I say again, I've been very lucky in that uh, Rupert Lowe has funded it all and and. Um, uh, and he's let us get on and do what we want to do. So, uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to getting people back here. You know, we, we're very much a, a people's 
the yard and we love having people here. So it's it's you know it's it's that's what we, that's you know Saturdays here are, are, are pretty special. Um, you know we'll have 25, 30 people here and then they all go off to breakfast together. So I'm looking forward to that to to, to seeing everyone back here again. And, then they'll they'll see a big change in the place. You know, we've got a lot lot of fencing, and hopefully, the, everything will be finished and done and dusted. You know, well, you have really a fantastic attitude, Fergal. Uh, <laughs> if I had the money, I'd love to put a horse in training with you. <laughs> the only problem is, if I did that, then Sarah Lynham would kill me. Ah. She'd be like, what the hell? Why <laughs> <laughs> is that horse going to? But, but Sarah, it's not. A, but I train a jump horse. She was very frustrated. She has, she has a, a jump horse that was going to be making a debut in a bumper and then yank the, the season got, got cancelled. So uh, frustrating times. But everybody yeah. can keep up to date with you on FergalBrianRacing.co.uk. But more importantly, you've reached the 31,000 mark of followers on Twitter. So congratulations yeah. to Simon. Thank- congratulations to yourself. Yeah. And uh, and everybody who listens to the show should be following you on, on the tweet machine. Uh, Fergal, oh, it's, been an, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you on the show. And uh, I wish you and your team uh, and your daughter and Simon all the very, very best for the coming months and for the new season. Cheers, Evan. Thank you very much. And it was a, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. And if you're ever over at Chutland or over our way, please come and see us. Oh, you've put yourself in trouble now. <laughs> no, you're more than welcome. Look forward to seeing you. Looking forward to seeing you too, Fergal. Take care. Cheers. Fergal O'Brien, an absolute gentleman Cheers. joining us Thanks, on the final Furlong podcast. And a pleasure to chat to him as always. We're back with you again next week with two new shows. And hopefully you can join us then. Uh, if you can, a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast app is, would be most appreciated. I should also mention, by the way, that we ran a competition on the Final Furlong Podcast Facebook page and we had some winners. These are for the elusive Final Furlong Podcast mugs, but the difference this time is these are personalized Final Furlong Podcast mugs, so they come with your own name on them. We take no responsibility if your name is spelled wrong. It won't be, don't worry. Uh, So congratulations to Marcus Bird on the Facebook page, to Nicholas Stokes and to Dave Ryan. Final Furlong Podcast mugs on the way to you, all because you were kind enough to give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. We greatly appreciate the support. We greatly appreciate you listening. And your mugs are on the way to you as soon as we have your details. Your bank account and sort code. No, not at all. Uh, All we need is your address and your postcode. And we're sorted. And we'll do another competition next week. Hopefully you can join us then. We will chat to you on Twitter, at Final Furlong Pod, at Radio Emmet, and uh, of course on the next shows, which we hope you enjoy. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Be well. We'll chat to you soon. God bless. Will it happen or won't it happen? You can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange. Proud sponsors of the Final Furlong podcast. Have you downloaded the free app, the Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracers.com forward slash app for more details.